0: It's good to be here, I look forward to the first of the month where I'm down to preach at the Hills Church. All the other Christian Family Centre churches are spitting chips about that because I'm not going to them, but I said special need here, I want to to give uh, TLC and encouragement to this uh, great church and uh, the second largest church that we planted in the Christian Family Centre in all our years, so it's just great to to be here. is David around? Um, Dan's dad. Where is he? I oh, he's counting the money. Okay, that's all right. When he comes in, I got a word for him. As I was watching him, anyway, I will wait till he he comes. He's a magnificent man, isn't he? Yeah. I just got a word for him. Just, just. I saw him and I. He, he reminded me of my dad, though my dad's a lot older, of course, but I just said, oh, I'll just share something. Guys, um, you're you're giving towards missions. You know, all of our Christian family Center churches, from the day that we we birth them, we say, look, the final Sunday of the month, we've got to think of the poor. We've got to think of outside of ourselves. And and, and you guys are doing really well. Um, And... um, Sam was down on Thursday night to share with us when Pastor Barry Silverback and Pastor Jeremy still were together, because we're actually raising the finance of Jeremy's support. That mainly comes from Seton Church, uh, so we try and raise his personal support. He's been a missionary for 12 years. But the transport support, because he has to travel around the world, the Asia-Pacific area, and so you guys are putting in $3,000 a year for that. There's about seven CRC churches, so uh, that are doing that, but the, the Seaton Church is, is covering his living costs. But uh, uh, the work in Myanmar is amazing. I mean, you just what you hear in the news about the horrendous, uh, ugly, evil, um, murderous attack upon the Rohingya people, who are Muslim people, is all true. It's not an exaggeration this time. But it ain't fake fake news. It's actually real, and it's probably more than that and um, I know Peter Simmons is uh, close to that area but it's, uh, you know, we've got to be involved in issues of justice and support and what do you do, do you shout at the darkness and, you know, we're not there to overthrow governments, whatever, we're there to actually try and raise money, go, support, love, Um, but these people are in such terrible need and um, we had the same in Sri Lanka and you're supporting the Sri Lanka project um, I've been. I went to th- Sri Lanka three times last year. In my role as national leader of the CRC, I, I try and visit different places. But you know, Sri Lanka has the highest suicide rate in the world. Last time I checked, and uh, because they went through a horrendous civil war, and, and so what happens with this, the Buddhist church, the Buddhist majority, Sinhalese and Burmese, they're, they're really racist. They hate the the uh, the groups that are tamil hindus or tamil christians or muslim a small minority muslim community in sri lanka same as in uh, in burma the burmese are very nationalistic and around the edges are all these other peoples the chin andrews a chin person and they they come from china india and, and there's just this racism hatred towards people who don't speak the same language and and so these poor Muslim people, I mean, the policy has been the military will go in and they'll rape the girls, scare the living daylights out of the people say, get out of here. And they just would burn the villages down. And same as in Sri Lanka, they used rape as a, as a tool. They would go into villages and just, and so, um, or, or kidnap people like Pastor Samanathan's brother, was just taken from his home, killed, <laughs> Nobody. You know, the parents could not mourn anything, just vicious. And so the Buddhist a uh, uh, majority are firing up the military, and it's racial, it's nationalist, and so it's it's awful. Uh, so we're involved as a CRC movement and Christian families, and to try and do some good. So, so when you take up your missionary offering and think about pray for them, you know, because God to be merciful, because they're pretty ugly scenes those two areas, and um, plus of course um, you support the other areas, which is great. So I really want to honour you for that. Um, And your support of, uh, you know, 10% of our income of all of our Christian Family Centre churches is is kind of, say okay, 3% goes into our denominational family, which we support, CRC movement, and 7% into our church development, church planting fund. And so we support... Ben Matson a couple of days a week to be employed because of the Indigenous ministry. They, they don't have enough finance. The church can cover him one day a week. So we collectively do it. Uh, CFC South, which is powering along, they've got about 130 men, women and children now. Uh, Tim doesn't brag, as you know, but I'll brag for him you know, like But um, I'm just thrilled. Half of them are kids that are coming in. And, um, and so the Seton Church is covering his salary. We didn't expect our out of our fund that we would cover that but all the support infrastructure has gone so you are planting a church and may that inspire you to um, to see in the future that God can use you to actually directly plant a church and the other thing that's really good news is that uh, not one person from a CRC church nearby has actually gone there we didn't want anyone from from Christian family center church here or CRC we want to just win non-Christian people there's a whole stack of unbelievers last week four or five young adults, families came in that don't know the Lord. So it's just—it's really good what's happening. So pray for them, pray for Ben um, um, Matson up in Alice Springs. But you, you're part of something that's more than just what we're doing here. And I think a church that is focused on being radic, which is a missiological term, rather than centric, the blessing of God is upon it. It really is. And I was so pleased to hear Wayne sharing the stuff you got going, the, the uh, the out, you've got opportunities to bring your non-Christian friends along to some of these events. They may not come on a Sunday morning, but I'll come to cafe and they, what's the other one event? Oh, I'm coming to that. I saw that picture there. I just, like, it's great. Do things outside the box. That that And also that means it's not going to be, oh, he will bring somebody along. My challenge to you is you pray and think of who you can bring along and say, hey, you wanna come to church? Most people say, most people, when they're asked why they don't come to church, you know the number one reason? They're not asked. I thought, come on, that can't be true. Apparently, that's the stat, they're not asked to come. And so, um, if you're in a good relationship with people and they know you and you're a credible person, and you're not a nutcase, you're basically a loving, Imperfect person, and they have a relationship with you, they might say yes. And the worst persecution that you'll get is they might say no, not interested. Well, that's real rough when you compare to Myanmar and Sri Lanka, right? So come on, church, let's let's reach out this Christmas and bring along some friends. You never know what's going to happen. The Lord could use you to bring them to Christ. So they're great events, and, and Wayne and the team are are leading well the church, which which is fantastic. So. Uh, I commend you for that. Since I've been with you last time, I've, uh, we ran our CRC national conference, and, and uh, some of you came to that. It was a fantastic event. Then I went to the Philippines to share with 150 pastors and leaders for a week, and uh, flew back last week to a week of our national executive team. We meet three times a year, the national leaders of the movement, state chairman, we meet together And then I had the 400 plus gathering for 24 hours, which is the churches that are 400 plus, we've got nine of them in in the CRC, we have 24 hours together, kind of skilling. And uh, I'm here, and tomorrow I go to Athens for the Refresh Conference, which is um, uh, a major, uh, God has answered a prayer for 47 years. I've been thinking, how the heck can I have an impact upon the homeland of my parents? And I tried several times, didn't work. But now I'm speaking to all the evangelical and Pentecostal leaders once a year. Can you believe it? They want my book, the the books and all that stuff. And so, um, and the opportunity is we're doing some interviews to see whether there'll be some church planters that might want to come to Adelaide and we give them a finishing off process to say, look, come to Seton and we'll send them to Alice Springs. We'll send them to, to actually, Observe and would teach them and train them on how to plant churches. Once they've done their theological training, then they go back to Greece and plant churches. Isn't that great? So, uh, um, so it's fantastic. I'm really thrilled uh, with the opportunity, and uh, but I'd appreciate your prayers because the pace has been a, a bit of a cracker. And uh, I want to share with you today. Uh, on, I've been reflecting a lot on how do you last the distance. And because my team at at, at Seaton and others have been saying, Bill, put your stories down in writing and what you've learned. And so, believe it or not, in 20 months, I've done three books. It's nearly killed me. This is the latest one, The Leader I Can Be, hot off the press. We dedicated it at uh, the uh, National Conference. It's it's a bestseller. It's on the New York Times, number one, in my imagination. (laughs) Um, And, The reason why uh, I've been pressured to do, I didn't wanna do them, but they said, look, what you've learned, others need to to learn and not make the same mistakes you made. So so I've tried in the three books, The the Me I Can Be, which is on the gospel and overcoming, and many of you have got that one, and the testimonies about who we are in Christ, our new identity. The church we can be, what I've learned about church in the 40 years I've been leading the Christian Family Centre, and what I've learned about leadership, and that goes really for 47 years that I've been in the faith. And so um, I, I've, I've put it down there so that my, my heart is, and, and there's copies available for you to purchase, and I'm happy to sign them afterwards, and uh, all, the, all the money goes to missions. I, I gave about 100 away in the Philippines. You pay for them, and it goes to missions, okay? So uh, it doesn't come to me. I, I wouldn't, I don't like preachers that have to come up and talk about their books and have to make money out of it, I'd give give them all away if I could, but my general manager would say, you can't do that, you won't publish anymore. But um, my aim is to be as candid as I can be about what successes I've experienced and what mistakes I've made and the lessons that I've learned. And so my heart is is that the next generation will do it better than me, better than us. And so even among you here today, there's particularly those of you who are younger, You can learn valuable lessons from those of us that are a bit older that have made some dumb mistakes but we've learned from them so that you can avoid those and do life better than us. Isn't that right, oldies? We want the young ones to do life better than us. Better marriages, better families. Yeah? Yeah, well, I I pray that for everyone because mine was a difficult road, I can tell you. And so there's certain things that I've learned and so I just thought I'd share two or three of these, and it kind of uh, opens up, and then you, if you really want to, get the book and read it. And I would value any, any feedback, things that you've learned, because when I do the second edition, I'll make the corrections in there and, and anything that, that can help people. But I think you know, the first thing I want to say about being an effective leader, and when I say leader, I mean influencer. You might say, oh, I'm not a leader. Yes, you are. You are a leader, whether you like it or not, because you influence people. So leadership's all about influence. I try and define it to say it's not about power. If it's about power, then it's the wrong word. It's actually influencing people and adding value to their lives, doing as much good to your fellow human being. If that's your motive, you're a leader. You're an influencer. And how can you be an influencer and maintain influence and not fall over and crash and continue it uh, for for many decades to come. Uh, David, you've just come back in and I I had a word for you. As I saw you walking past there and I saw your smile, I just saw my dad's face. He reminded me so much of dad. Uh, He'd be 110 now, he's a lot older than you and he's been with the Lord for 12 years. But um, you know what I saw is the scripture that came to mind, I just saw the word love. And faith. And the scriptures, Galatians 5, 6, I think it's right, it says, faith works through love. I know people who say they got great faith, but they're just not loving. They say, Oh, you know, I have I have connection with Jesus. And sometimes and and people say, you know, they're strong in faith, but they're hopeless when it comes to the, the, the horizontal. And I think it belies the the truth that if you are in a strong faith relationship with Jesus, it'll make you a more loving person. The vertical will lead to the horizontal. And I just felt you are a great model of what it means to love people. You're a great model. And, and I think church, you know, he's, he's a young man at 65. He, he looks, he's, you know, a little bit older. But, um, I just think, don't underestimate, for you, um, David, don't underestimate the power of who you are. You're a self-made man. You're at that stage where you don't have to prove anything to anyone. But let what's in you, a lot of people need, to that they will find Christ and come to a place of personal faith because they see your love. And uh, and so so express that. Be bold in it to non-Christians, to community people. Uh, I, my feeling is like, get out of yourself a little bit. Don't be so conservative. And just be be yourself, but love on people because they see Jesus in your face, they really do. They see, maybe you're already doing it, but they see Jesus in you. And, it's, and, and some people don't have that authority. They don't have that credibility. You've got it in space. So let it flow out of you. And God could use you to touch a lot of people who don't know Christ. They need people who are expressing the love of Christ without being a Bible thumper and abusive and kind of intrusive in, in, you know what I mean. You've got to be sensitive in that way. So you've got it in spades. Church, he's a great model. You can learn from him. But Galatians 5, 6, faith expresses itself through love. Your faith that is strong in Jesus is... Express it in your latter years... May God open doors that you'll be able to express it in ways that you haven't in the previous decade. The next three or four years, just let it, let it flow out of you. A lot of people will come to Christ because they see the love of the love in you will reveal Jesus to them. Okay, that's my encouragement. So step out of yourself. Don't be so conservative. Go for it in Jesus' name. You're eminently sensible and sane, and people, ha- you have credibility, and you're not going to put your foot in it. The worst thing they'll say is probably, well, they won't come to faith. But I'll tell you what, you'll impact their lives, okay? And we need men and women like yourself far and wide. Okay? Be encouraged. Got that off my chest now. The first thing I want to say about being an effective influencer that's going to last the distance, if you're going to last the distance, is you've got to settle the boss question sooner than later. You've got to settle the boss question. There's only one boss in our lives. You know who he is? He's Jesus. And... You've got to settle that question. It's better to do it earlier <laughs> than later because uh, he's not going to shift in who he is. He is the Lord. He is the supreme authority in the universe. He's our saviour. He's, he's number one. And and to be a disciple of Jesus, I'm sorry, but I, I cannot be number one. You cannot be number one. He has to be number one. And... Um, when we settle this matter, now we do settle it at, at some level when we come to Christ. So you can't, when you become a Christian, you've got to and we affirm He is the Lord of my life. But I'm but then at our water baptism, we settle it again, don't we? Because then we're saying, okay, I'm gonna publicly affirm that he is the boss, that my old life is dead and buried and, and water baptism is a burial service symbolic that the old life is dead and when you rise up it's a symbol that there's a new life and it's the life of Christ so it's again a dedication time to say well you're the boss when we get baptized in the Holy Spirit and, and we're given the gift of speaking in a brand new prayer language again it's a question of who's the boss because now every time I use my spiritual prayer language my hotline to heaven I have to yield control of even what I say. Hey, and I don't lose control of my mind when I speak in, in my prayer language. I lose, I yield control of what I speak. So some people misinterpret this and they caricature Pentecostals as being you're in a trance and you lose control of your mind. Well, that's a cult. Any religion that, or political religion or social religion or spiritual that, that says you lose control of your mind is a cult. And we say, no way. We worship God with our mind. We just yield control of what we say, but our mind is focused on Jesus. But to do that, you've got to yield control. He's got to be boss. And uh, and I find, and I don't want to be offensive to anyone here. One of the major stumbling blocks for people to receive the gift of tongues is the issue of control. And people say to me, "I've been in control of my life," and particularly people that have come from difficult backgrounds where they're trying to control their emotions and their life. It's very hard to yield control over to somebody else. And so every time I speak in my new prayer language, not I was speaking in tongues as I was driving up here, you know, obeying the road laws of South Australia. Uh, didn't have to watch if there were cops on the side. I'm obeying the road laws and I'm speaking in tongues, okay? So you don't lose control of your mind. But it, it, every time you're saying, Lord, I don't know what to pray sometimes. Help me to pray. I don't know how effective my message is going to be today. Lord help me that I might just bless somebody. So everywhere I go, say, God, just help me maybe just one person. I know my imperfections. I know I'm not a great orator. I just I just want to share what you have given to me. Help me to and and when I speak as I'm yielding control so that he is the boss. So it's got to be a practical thing. And folks, if you want to last a distance spiritually, you've got to yield control over to him and settle the boss question sooner than than later, really. Um, And when I'm successful, and when you are successful, and it's wonderful to be successful in life, in marriage, with kids, at work, to achieve in spiritual serving Jesus, You've got to be so careful. Jesus said in Luke 6.25, I haven't got it up there, he says, be careful when all men speak well of you. Hmm. There's nothing wrong with being commended like I commended Wayne today, I've commended David, but I know their hearts would be, thank you, Jesus. I'm, I'm just your servant. But if you, so I'm not talking about commendation that builds our sense of worth and value, our identity in Christ. I'm talking about egotistical pride, it says, yeah, it's actually about me. Yeah. Isn't God isn't God lucky I'm on his side? He needed me. He did. No, no, no. He reached out to you. So when he uses you and when you're successful in life, Jesus says, be very careful. When all men speak well of you, it's like the... Uh, the servant, the slave that used to ride on the, the, the generals and the emperor's chariot in the Roman, because they used to have these amazing parades, cheering, and, and the guy's task was to every so often to speak into his ear. When all the crowds are adulating, he's saying, remember, you're just a man. Remember, you're just a man. And we need reminding. Our birth name is sinner. Our adopted name is child of God. Saint, separated one. Simon Peter, when he wrote his last letter, I don't know if you've ever noticed this. When he wrote his first letter, this is Peter, 1 Peter 1, 1, he goes, Peter, an apostle by the will of God. Ooh. God's man of faith and power, apostle, title. Yeah, by the time he wrote the second letter, you know what he says? Simon Peter, not just Peter, Peter's the rock, what God made him. But he said, I was a flaky reed. My birth name is sinner, but by the grace and power and love of God, I've become a rock. That's what he's saying. And then he says, a thulos, a servant and an apostle. I love that. So somehow at the end of his life, before martyrdom, he reminds himself, yeah, my birth name is sinner. I was Simon, I've become... Peter the Rock, and uh, you know I'm a I'm a servant, and yes I have been given a title, yes I have been given a position, but uh, I'm. Uh so we got to be so careful. If you're going to last a distance, um, there's no wriggle room with Jesus about the basic characteristics of being his disciple. No wiggle room. Have a look at this. Luke 9.23. This, this will flatten you. I don't like this verse sometimes. I wish it wasn't there. I just want to be a believer. Just believe on his cross and receive all the benefits of salvation. Oh, Jesus, let's talk about your cross and how it blesses me. You took up the cross for me. I'm saved. I'm healed. I'm free. I've got eternal life. What's this business about my cross? Talking about, he says, Well, you're gonna take up your cross, not to get saved, but if you want to move from being a believer to a disciple, see, many believed Jesus, but then he said some things and they go, Oh, it's a hard saying, and they left. Thousands of people left him, and one time he said to his disciples, He says, Are you guys gonna leave me too? Like he's feeling a bit hurt. Are you gonna leave me too? Because the message of discipleship. Is challenging. It, it, it challenges the issue of who the heck is boss. So if you want to be a disciple, which is a lifelong learner, and I'll come back to that term, lifelong learner, he says this, whoever wants to be my disciple must three things, deny themselves to take up their cross daily, hey, and follow me. Deny themselves. And this is not self-flagellation. Oh, I'm a bad person. I'm a terrible person. C.S. Lewis says this about denying oneself. He doesn't say, and wisely he says, that humility is not thinking less of yourself. I'm bad, I'm terrible. It's just thinking of yourself less. That's all. To take up our cross daily, to deny self, think of myself less, not think less of myself. To deny themselves and take up their cross. How do I take up my cross daily? Well, every day I've got to make decisions. Are they going to be selfish or selfless decisions in a situation I'm facing, in my marriage, with my kids, with my grandkids, with other people? Is at the core my decision-making selfish or selfless? Or will I be demanding or will I be considerate with this person? And those are in positions of leadership. If you're a boss... If you have influence over people, it's easy to become really demanding, egotistical, and not polite, and considerate. I try in all my requests, always put a please. Just procedurally. just a, could you, and, and, I mean, I'm the boss, for goodness sake. If I want this done, I expect it to be done, right? No, no, you've got to remind yourself. These are people, not robots. So put a please there. Could you please? And then say, thanks, appreciate that. Injecting consideration, considerateness towards people. Look, if you just did husbands and wives, if you're having a hard time with your spouse, for the next week, just add the word please and thank you to your interactions, and you'll have a new husband and a new wife. Just build in a little bit of courtesy. Considerate, Svita, would you like a cup of tea? And she comes up to me and she goes... Are you okay? She wants to take my temperature. (laughs) I don't want anything from her. I just want to bless her. Or do the dishes, or clean the floor, or do my own washing. Yes, I do do that. This old Greek dinosaur has changed. When I first got married, that was a woman's job. What? Men do that? Well, you learn through suffering. (laughs) You learn. And, And I tell you, The Lord nails you on this. Will I be demanding or will I be considerate? This is what it means to take up my cross daily. And then to follow me. To follow Him requires that I accept that I'm a man under orders, I am under authority, His authority. That's why I love belonging to a denominational family. I don't believe in independent churches. Never have. I got saved by Jesus in the CRC. It's not the perfect denomination, but it is a denomination. We're not independent churches, and um, we believe in accountability all the way through in all of our churches in our movement. Um, I'd never serve. I I would. I, I would just not serve in a church that was independent that the senior minister was not sackable. Just wouldn't do it. I wouldn't serve in a church where the overseeing board can't be corrected. So within a denominational framework, we have accountability all the way through. And uh, so I, I, as leader of the, the Christian Family Centre for 40 years and uh, CRC Church is now 16 years nationally, I've just been put in for another four year term, sentenced for another four year term, now happily sentenced. But I can be sacked tomorrow by our national executive team, even though it's the national council, our nationally credentialed pastors and delegates that voted me in. Why? Because anyone who's exercising authority and power, let's use that word power, should be under power and authority. Very important. Same as with the Christian family, the Board of Elders can, can remove me if I did the wrong thing. And, and I, I, that's why I love belonging to, and, and I see this, it's part of being under authority. And we all need that. Um, we all need to be accountable to, and, and, and to, to really settle the boss question sooner than later. And uh, I mean, I deal with all kinds of people and I, I find even within our own CRC movement, sometimes you have a pastor who's very good with his peers. Get on really well. But anyone in authority over them, its oh, pushback all the time. Eh, pushback, pushback, pushback. And it's like, so, wow, that's interesting. You love leading and having people under you, but somehow you, you're kind of fighting all the time. And I think that reveals either an insecurity or, some, or the issue of boss. We all are accountable. Every one of us. So I say to them, I said, guys, I'm accountable. I said, I'm accountable for what I say. I have authorities over me. So do you. In your heart, you've got to yield. That's why we have leadership and and pastors and leaders and oversight. We all need that within our lives. So look, settle the boss question. Some of you need to maybe settle that today. Secondly, if you want to last the distance, I'll tell you this, if you don't settle the boss question, You get stunted, you just get stunted, you'll get stuck and you won't grow. And I know people in their 60s who are less mature spiritually than some who are in their 20s and they've been in the Lord 40 years because they're stuck. They won't submit to Jesus in that area of their life. They won't yield to him. (laughs) And it's like, well, so it, it pays and he's not for moving. I am the Lord, I change not. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday today and forever and so you're hitting yourself against a rock you know he won't be moved and the reason why we can trust him is he's totally good he's totally merciful he has our best interests but if he yields to us and we say I want to be boss thank you and that's what James and John want to do chapter one of this book talks about James and John they said we want to be boss thank you move aside Jesus Two special thrones, please, next to you in heaven. And of course, terrible division. These were part of the 12. And Jesus said, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't even know what you're asking for. Are you crazy? He's basically saying my interpretation. And he corrects them. There can only be one boss, he's Jesus. If he isn't your boss, he needs to be. If you haven't given your life to Christ, you're not here by accident. Let him save you, let him touch your life. Let him heal your your inner being. Secondly, pursue servanthood that is sacrificial in all of your relationships. If you want to last a distance, it's all about others gain and not about me gaining from serving others. And it's not to negate the fact that we get personally fulfilled and and it's tremendous fruit but when we serve Jesus. But it's actually about other people's gain. If I'm serving to get something from somebody, it won't work. Not in God's kingdom. It doesn't work that way. You've had a fantastic example in David Smythe, being the founding pastor here. As someone who just, I know, always will practice not what's in my gain, but what's in the gain of the other person. Even at his own cost. That's what servanthood is all about this is what Jesus said you call me teacher and Lord and rightly so for that is what I am now that I your Lord and teacher have washed your feet you should wash one another's feet hey I've set you an example that you should do it as I have done for you Jesus takes up a bowl and a towel and he says you want to last the distance in ministry serve the best interests of other people There's a whole denomination in Australia, Pentecostal denomination. When they meet for conference, their national leadership do not eat meals with the plebs. It's pretty bad. Separate room. It's a club. I, mean, I could never do it. One of the first things we did when I came to the national leadership, I said, guys, we're gonna have no meetings at our national conference. If anything, just go and sit with the pastors and leaders. And I'll say to my PA, I said, like, let's, let's find a church that's a small church, it's got a group of people, and let's surprise them. So, Bill Vasilakis must have come and said, Well, they nearly die. Because I don't know them all. The national leader, you know, the largest church, he's going to come and sit with us, and we talk about everything and everything. I talk about snooker with them, the greatest sport in all the world. I talk about boxing, and, and they just think, Who is this man? Why? I deliberately do I love doing it, meeting with them, but I don't want to meet with, hobnob with those who are the, the leaders. We can meet, look, I had a whole week with them. It sends a signal. Even in church. Will I just talk to those who are my friends or will I reach out to somebody who's new and, you know, with a cup of coffee and just take an interest in their lives? That's what add value to someone's life. You, you, to me, it's crucial. Um, I've never asked. You know, I've never asked for money. I don't record this in my book because it. Might, I've never asked for money ever in my ministry. I've never asked the Christian Family Center for money. I've never talked about my salary. I need a rise. Never in 40 years. If they don't give me enough money to send my wife out to work, that's fine. That's the Greek way. I'm an overseas guest. I go, I've never asked whether it's Africa, Philippines. I said, no, no, no. In fact, in the Philippines, I went there, and they wanted to cover the hotel. I said, no, 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 I'm covering it. I cover my own stuff. The car, Pastor Bill, we want to cover that. I said, all right. I said, but don't deny us the blessing. I said, okay, but I don't want any honorarium. You guys can't afford that. I said, "I, I get paid a salary. I don't need it. So I'm not going to deny somebody, and if they do want to give it to me, I will just say, you know what, I'm going to give it to my wife, and she will give it usually to missions, or that she might be able to travel with me. I, just, I won't spend it on myself. I just feel like I've never asked for it. We, we invited a guest speaker from America to come at our national conference. Fantastic speaker. I met him once. Invited him. <laughs> we get a letter from the PA saying he, you know, at the... The going rate is ten thousand dollars minimum a message, and we had him down for four messages. <laughs> I said, "What?" I just said, "Just say no thanks. I'll do it for free." So it's there. it's around. So the, the CRC we're not for we're not for budging on this. We will give our guest speakers g- generous honorariums They never ask. If somebody asks for it, we kick them out. We say we don't want them. When we're there to add value. Why should I go to a conference? What I'm going to get from it, or am I going to add value to people's lives? So the CFC and the CRC, we are built on this. And I want to encourage you to, to uh, make sure your heart is to serve, and it's all about servanthood. Look at Mark 10.45. I love this verse. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And get this, to give his life as a ransom for many. Now think about it. The Lord is saying that the basis for our salvation and the motivation for all of our ministry or is in his name is to be the same. Sacrificial servanthood. Not what I'm going to gain. What am I going to give? How am I going to add value to another person's life? And I tell you, a church that's built on that, the Lord is pleased with them, the Holy Spirit will rush in to help. You'll see this church grow and develop and why it's survived these 20 years is because it's built on this foundation. Thirdly, never stop learning and you will always keep growing. This is the third thing. You know, never stop learning. If you stop learning, you start of the dying process. I'm talking about emotionally, spiritually. The day I stop learning is the day that I'll hang up my spurs and say, you know what? I'm 64, I'm planning for at least another 11 years till I'm 75, That's, that's my objective. I've actually planned to that to say, okay, but I would not stay around in any leadership role if I wasn't still learning and unlearning and growing. And there's nothing worse than to see a young person who has stopped growing, who just is not learning. And uh, is there such a thing as failure? I hate the word failure. I hate the word fail. F-A-I-L. It is worse than the worst swear word. I won't even say it, obviously. The word fail. Fail. It's a shocker. I'd sooner have somebody swear at me, the foulest language, and to say, you have failed, or you are a failure. What a terrible, terrible word that is. I had a teacher say that to me once. I must have been I was naughty. I was a naughty Greek boy. I was in year, year 10 or year 11, and, and she just was exasperated with me. And she in front of the whole class. She says, "Vasilakis, you're going to fail this year and your life is not going to amount to anything. Wow, what a curse from an authority figure. And all the kids go, what's Billy going to say now? So thankfully, my mum always positively reinforced me as as, as a young boy. And uh, another person would take that as a curse and believe it and act it out subconsciously. Subliminally, I just bounced back. I said, no, nope, I'm gonna pass this year. And I'm thinking, what the heck am I saying? I've, I've, I've played hooky half the year to play snooker. Man, I'm gonna pass this year and I'm gonna mount to something in life. And all the kids cheered me, yay. <laughs> but the a person has failed. You haven't failed. You know what you've had? You've just had an experience. That's all. You've had an experience that hasn't worked. That's all. That's not failure. That's actually part of learning. Because then you say, well, okay, what can we learn from this? What can I unlearn? And then, when you do that, you ain't going to make have the same experience again. You're going to grow through it. If a person doesn't learn doesn't unlearn doesn't grow through it and they keep repeating it there's a reason for that they're stuck emotionally there's usually an emotional block that they need healing there's something that's gone wrong it's like a curse that's been placed on them by an authority figure you know you're never going to amount to anything and you're useless you know the voice of the mother speaking Ooh, the voice of the father the teacher the doctor You know, cursed words by authority figures into vulnerable hearts can so injure people and and sow a belief on the inside that's just not true. Until that belief is identified and countered by the new creation message, my book, The Me I Can Be, and they learn their new identity in Christ and get their mind renewed, they get free of it. There's no such thing as failure. It's just an experience. You may have made some terrible mistakes. So, so have I. Read my book. Made some beauties, but I've learned from them. Do it once, not a second time. Do it the second time, my wife would kill me. So, look at Peter, what Peter said. He made so many mistakes, but look what he says at the end of his life. I've shared about his the beginning of his letter make every effort guys to add to your faith what? goodness, knowledge, self-control perseverance, godliness brotherly, kindness, love for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive you've got to keep growing you've got to keep adding to your faith learning finally I've observed some, some awesome some awesome leaders and um over the years and uh, who have lasted the distance. But sadly, I've also observed some who haven't. People of have amazing influence, and they've just crashed and burned. And um, and so if you're gonna be a person of influence, you've gotta develop both in faith and wisdom to be able to make good judgment calls. The next point. Good. Develop in both faith and wisdom to make good judgment calls. I've seen, you, you can be a man, a woman of faith, and you can move mountains in Jesus' name. And I've seen churches rise here in Adelaide. I can name seven churches by powerful leaders. In fact, when I looked at their growth, I thought, there was a period of time in, in the early 80s, I was a bit envious. Being, man, I'm slaving my guts out, and the just growing 10%, 15%. These guys like, boom, 300 people in three months. Usually all church transferees, very few unsaved, I found out. But I used to get a little bit envious and man, you know, like, and they're full of faith and vision. Oh, man, like, I thought, man, they're fantastic. Those seven churches don't even exist anymore. Those ministers crashed and burned and are out of ministry. Why? Because they were strong in faith, but they were very foolish when it came to understanding wisdom big difference between wisdom and faith and um and so proverb says this my son preserve sound judgment proverbs 321 and discernment do not let them out of your sight they will be life for you it's great to have powerful faith operating but you've got to have wisdom flowing and um you know, Spurgeon says this, if we're all zeal and no brains, it just won't work in God's kingdom. So it means learning from others, submitting to them, being wiser. To be a trusted and respected leader only comes, and, and, a, and a trusted and respected influencer will come when people are confident in you. And that can only occur if you're a credible person. And credibility comes when you're consistent in the little things as well as the big things. And these guys were big in talk, could move mountains, but man, they were inconsistent. One of them had a luck like, with his marriage, with his kids, how he handled finance, um, you know, like crossing lines morally and, you know, seeing women on his own and thinking he could do that without, and just, you know, one of the guys ends up getting one of the girls pregnant in the church. And he's got a wife and two kids and he just blows the church up. It just, ah, because no one had the courage to say mate you should not be meeting with a woman on your own anywhere full stop because in the CRC we say you can't be a pastor and muck around that way if you want to counsel a woman in your office you make sure that the, the door is open the window and you can be movable so we don't we have those things worked out that's just wisdom wisdom you don't and I'll share some stories about that. So, well, financially, they just say, oh, yeah, to the offering. Yeah, we'll just take 500 bucks and, oh, yeah, and I might record it later. What? I've never touched an offering in my life. I've never counted money. I've never received it. We have two people doing it another person watching. <laughs> I've never done it. You've got to have systems in place to ensure wisdom and accountability and, and, and all that kind of stuff. So some of these, so you, you can cut corners and think I've got a great gift, but I tell you, if you're not wise, you'll get unstuck. And um, no matter how gifted you are, no matter how gifted you are, you need wisdom in working with And And finally, it's like, look, look, let me tell you this, trade secret, what I've learned. I even say this to people who are friends in the church. I say I said, do you realise how adultery happens? 99% of adultery occurs by somebody you're working with or one of your best friends. Not with a stranger. It's usually somebody that you like and you work with. So therefore, you better build some boundaries. Don't cross those lines as friends. (laughs) You are your friends, you love each other, but do not cross those lines. Adultery occurs among best friends and people you work with. Not with strangers. Oh, I'll just walk down the street and I think I'll commit adultery today. It doesn't work that way. Emotionally, a person gets attached to somebody. They like them. They feel good. like being around them. Draw a line. So, so, wisdom says you've got to draw boundaries and protect yourself. And uh, so, uh, if I see things at Seton where I see people crossing lines, man, I, I, I would, I'd go straight to them. Or, I'd get my wife, too. She's the better one, because people get scared of me, but they love Kathy. She can get through to them. But you know what I mean? Like you think about that. It's very important. Now, you practice this, but you probably haven't thought about it. And so, if you're going to if you're going to be a, a, an influencer for the long haul, you've got to grow in. In, in making good judgment calls and develop both in faith and wisdom finally allow Jesus' vision for his church to capture your imagination and I started with this the fact that you're involved in world missions and church planting the church of Jesus Christ is a rapid growing wonderful living organism and we've got to keep moving we've got to keep moving going forward trusting him Have a look at these words of of Isaiah and David and John. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Ask me and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of your earth your possession. You're inheriting Myanmar, Sri Lanka, PNG, you're involved. Revelation 11, John says the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah and he will reign forever and ever. So, we're out working Jesus' mission. At our national conference, we produce this, the CRC. People say, Well, what does the CRC stand for? We stand for creating churches, changing worlds. And on this little card, for everyone can have this, is our vision, our mission, our faith goal. We've got a more detailed one for leaders, uh, but this is for everyone. So, well, what does your denomination believe? You read this, it's radic. It's radical. it's about reaching the world with the gospel message of Jesus Christ, wherever we may be. So you can take one of these today, I've brought a stack with me. Our big faith goal, our big faith goal by our 100th birthday is we want to have 500 churches in in Australia, CRC churches. That's just six a year we're planting. We did four this year. So we're 120 something churches. So we're saying, so our whole national executive team was saying, you know what, we 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 want to plant, we want to have 500 churches by our 100th birthday in 2045. And we want to have a a ministry presence, an ongoing ministry presence in every nation on planet Earth. We're in 64 nations now. We only got another 130 to go or so. That's our vision, that's our heart. You have a ministry presence, you, you go and uh, you've been sending David Bland, David Smythe to Myanmar and that's going to continue. I said to Sam the other day, get ready, we're going to send you there. Tell Joe. And you know, maybe David Bland again could go representing. you but you've got to keep going and you've got to have teams that go to Myanmar, go to other places, short term missions, Central Australia, uh, we've got to be moving out. And how do we know in this local church here is that within the next 10 year period, it'll be a church of around 500 people with your own property and facilities. And that's probably gonna cost probably about $2 million, I would think. Probably a million for land and probably a million for, I think, and that you think 10, 15 years, how's that gonna be done? Easy, when we're all involved. Not one, but per- all of us involved. And a whole pile of ministries, and maybe from this base there'll be three or four new churches that have been planted as well. Why not? I'm thrilled with CFC South. They're already talking about planting in Aldinga Beach. I'm. Thinking, Are you sure? Yeah, we've got people there. We've got two families. Have you got the pastor yet? No. But we're thinking. I'm thinking that's great. I said, Good on you. That's what God wants to do with all of us, and this is how we maintain our spiritual influence. Can we stand together? I'd like to lead you in a prayer. I've gone a bit over and I need to bring it to a close. Loving Father, thank you for a wonderful church, terrific community. Thank you for the beautiful children that we saw here and the joy of our lives, are our kids and our grandkids. And Lord, we pray, may there be twice, three times the number of kids that come in. May may the outreaches that are being planned for December, may we be be surprised at how many people are going to come and hear the gospel. Lord, bless the church. And Lord, for everyone here, I know in their hearts they want to be a lasting spiritual influence. They don't want to conk out. They don't want to fall over, both in their personal lives and also as a church. And so, Father, help them to settle the boss question that Jesus is to be the boss. Lord, enable them to pursue servanthood that's sacrificial in all their relationships. Deal with us, Lord. Help us to be like Jesus, that he's our boss, he's our master. And enable us, Lord, to keep learning, never to stop learning and and to unlearn some things so that we will always keep growing and not stay stagnant. Father, help us also to, to develop in both Faith and wisdom so that we make good judgment calls for our families, our partners, our kids, our, our work, our environment, our, our church, that we will last, we will last the distance and Lord allow us to catch a glimpse of Jesus' vision for His church, to capture our imagination, that it's more than just us meeting here on a Sunday. It's a wonderful vision to reach the entire world through our prayers and faith and giving and going. So Lord, help this church to attain all its potential in the coming years. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.